Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. If you remember, just for some of you may not have been here or maybe came last week for the first time, when you look at the four gospels, each of the gospels presents Jesus in a different way. The gospel of Matthew presents him as the king of the Jews. Mark presents him as the servant of Jehovah. Luke presents him as the perfect man. And John presents him as the son of God, as God. And so as we look at Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, of course, we're seeing Jesus as the... Uh, as the king of the Jews, and he's been teaching, and he's been doing miracles and all kind of things. As we move into chapter 13, he begins to teach parables. And when we look at this, a parable, of course, is an illustration used to help us understand the truth. Well, the disciples asked Jesus last time, why did he suddenly sort of change? Because up to this point, he had not been doing parables, and he does parables. Now he's starting to do it. And we see that the purpose of a parable, a purpose why he did this, and we'll see it more in a minute, was to reveal truth to those who believe and to conceal truth to those who reject. People who reject him can't understand some of these things because they're not believed in him, they don't have the Holy Spirit, those kind of things. So he's doing that. It's a turning point in the ministry. Jesus has been announcing who he is. The religious leaders have always rejected him from the beginning. Even now, some of the nation is rejecting him. We already saw that when Jesus would do his miracles, the religious leaders would actually say that his miracles were done by the power of the devil. So now he's beginning to teach, and he's teaching in a different way using the parables. Last week, we saw the very first parable. It was called the parable of the sower. We'll see more as we go through it this morning. Well, most of you know, I grew up in um, Meridian, Mississippi. Meridian is on the east side of the state of Mississippi. has some mountains over there. But I went to school in a, in a town called Cleveland, Mississippi, and there's a school called Delta State. Delta State's in the Mississippi Delta, which is on the west side, and basically the northwest side of the state of Mississippi. And that's where they have the farms, and the river has overflowed for years, and so they call it the rich Delta soil, and they grow cotton and soybeans and everything. And when I went there to college, it was totally different. You know, I grew up in a place that was sort of hilly, and then going to Delta State, you could see forever. I mean, because it was just flat, and there were crops and everything everywhere. Well, this morning, when we look at the message, Jesus is going to talk about the soil, because when I went to the Mississippi Delta, everybody said, oh, this soil will grow anything. Well, Jesus used what we call, he calls it the parable of the sower, but most people look at it and say it's dealing with the soils. How do the soils respond to the Word of God? And that's what we're going to see. This parable is known as that. Let me remind you that Jesus has been teaching. He's been doing some incredible things. Things. Uh, he says that he is the Son of God. He says that he is the King of the Jews. He's offered himself as the Messiah and the King to the nation of Israel. He's fulfilled Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 35, which said that he would do miracles, he'd proclaim the gospel, he'd do all these things. Religious leaders, instead of following him and believing in him and saying, I believe he is our Messiah, he matched everything. He was born in Bethlehem. He was, he's, every, every of the, all of the prophecies concerning the first coming of the Messiah were fulfilled by Jesus Christ, and yet they're rejecting him. And now because of that, uh, he's beginning, he, in fact, we're going to see, and I talked about it last week, no longer is he going to present himself straight to the nation of Israel as the king of the Jews. He's, he's not going to do it anymore. He's going to give them parables, and he's going to teach the believers and the unbelievers. They're going to have problems because they're not going to be able to understand some of his teaching. Now, in this one little chapter, we said this. Let me do this last week. We said that when you study the Gospel of Matthew, three big sections. Matthews 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. That's where Jesus talks about basic beliefs of how you live, what we'd say how you live the Christian life. Chapter 13 of these what they call mystery parables because he's talking about the kingdom which is going to come. And then in chapters 24 and 25, and we'll get to that eventually, it's where Jesus actually tells what the tribulation is going to be like 
and the second coming of Christ as the king. So it's some really great things. Now, this chapter, this, this passage has seven parables in this section of Matthew 13. The one is called the sower. We saw that last week. We'll see uh, this morning uh, not only the, the, how, what the sower is all about, but we're going to see one called the field. We're also going to look at the mustard seed and leaven. They're two little short ones, but we'll look at those. And then in the next couple of weeks, we'll look at the hidden treasure, the pearl, and the dragnet. So there's seven parables. Now, why did he do in parables? To reveal truth, to conceal truth. In chapters, chapter 13, verse 11, he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him, more will be given to him, and he'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have, that will be taken away. And so that's what he says. He says they've closed their ears and their eyes. The, the, over there, in, uh, we saw it last week when he quote, quoted Isaiah and he actually says that they've smeared stuff over their eyes. That's what it means in the Hebrew. They smeared things over their eyes because when they see Jesus, they don't really see him. And when he tells the messages, they're not really listening. And so he says it's a shame because he, if they were listening to him and understanding who he is, they would trust in him and have eternal life and see him as the king. Now this morning, we're going to continue. And what we're going to do in our outline is we're going to quickly look at the parable of the sower because Jesus is going to tell us what it means. He didn't tell last week. He went on to something. Else. This week he tells it, and then we're going to see a parable of a field, and he's going to talk about it, but he's not going to tell the explanation until next week. We'll see that the next week, and then he gives two parables, one of the mustard seed and one of leaven, and we'll see those as we go through today. Let me remind you, let me read quickly for you, Matthew 13, one, basically starting at verse 3, this is the parable of the sower. Here's what it said, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, the sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seed, and as he sowed some seed, some fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they didn't have much soil. Immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil, but when the sun had risen, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. He says, if you're listening, you can understand what's going on. That's the parable. And if you remember this, that the parable of the sower, some seeds never got in the ground. The birds came and ate them. Some seeds got in the ground. They grew, but they had no root and they withered. Some seeds got in the ground. They grew, but they were choked out by the weeds. And then some seeds got in the ground and it was grew and they produced fruit 100-fold, 60-fold, and 30-fold. So that's what we see. Now, as we look at verse 18, as we go through the passage, he's now going to explain it. Notice verse 18. He says, now, hear then the parable of the sower. So in verse 18, he's going to listen carefully. No one understand what this is about. And he says this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's the message of salvation, when he says, and does not understand it, they reject it. That's what the word understand there means. It actually means an idea of rejection. He says the word of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, this first soul rejects it. He says they reject it. They don't understand it. The evil one comes... And snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Now remember we said that the sower went out and he threw some seed. And it landed on the road and it was hard. And it never got in the ground. And a bird came along and got it. And then he gave some good, you know, it went to some other soil and it sprang up. Well, the first one is the one that landed on the, on the road and the bird came and got it. He says, this is somebody who when the message is given to them, they reject it. They don't listen to it. And then it says the evil one comes and snatches it away. And what he's really saying, this seed by the road, they reject it. They don't get the message, and they don't understand it. 
and they never get it. Now, you may have talked to people in your life. You may have told people about Jesus, and you would say, well, listen, let me tell you about what Jesus did, how he came on the earth, and he came to the earth, and he died on the cross, and he paid for sin, if you'll trust in him. And they don't listen to you. They say, no, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't listen to that. And it actually says that Satan comes and takes the message away. And you could say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Poor people, they don't have a chance. Yes, they do. I want to show you something. Uh, the seed, uh, the, this is the person who doesn't believe and Satan takes it away. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and I just don't want to turn all the way over there, but it actually says if our message is veiled, if the truth of the gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are rejecting. He goes on to say that the God of this world, Satan, comes and blinds those who are unbelieving. Now, I want you to understand something. It doesn't say he blinds people so they can't believe. It says he blinds people who are already not believing. So I want you to understand that he doesn't blind so they can't believe. He blinds those already not believing. We sometimes wonder why a person continually rejects the message of Jesus Christ. Well, some of it is that they've rejected and rejected and rejected, and Satan comes and removes the message. So he doesn't blind so they can't believe. He blinds those not believing. Luke chapter 8 verse 12 actually says Satan comes and takes away the message so they won't believe the message. So there are people that the message of Jesus Christ comes to them and they reject it to a point where it's, they don't hear it. It's gone. And God allows that. I mean, it, we say, well, that's, that's terrible, but the people are rejecting. Okay, that's the first one. There is a second one, the second soil. Look at verse uh, 20. It says, uh, The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. They believe the message. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary, and the affliction of the persecution or affliction or persecution arises because of the word, and immediately they fall away. Now, this is the second one. If you remember, they threw the seed out, and it found, and it was real shallow. It was a rocky place, and immediately it grew up, and then when the sun came, it kind of withered and went down. And some people want to say, well, they're not believers. Yes, they're believers. It says they received the message with joy. They believe, but they have no root. And what that means is this. There are a lot of Christians who put their faith in Jesus Christ, but they're not rooted and grounded. They don't know the Scripture. They don't understand the Scripture. They don't study the Bible. And so what happens is they have no root, and they don't grow. And when trials and problems come, they fade away. Now, that doesn't mean they lose their salvation. It means they quit growing and they don't produce any fruit. You know believers. You know people who say, yes, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, but they're not growing. They're not, usually they're not involved in church. They're not involved in ministry. They just never grow. And if when you find out and you talk to them, usually something happened to them. And they said, you know, uh, something happened. Ephesians talked about that we need to be no longer like children going back and forth, but we need to be rooted and grounded in love. And so these second people are their Christians. These are people who put their faith in Christ as Savior. Usually, as he says here, because of affliction or persecution, because of the word, they fall away. And to fall away doesn't mean, in fact, the word fall away there means stumble. It doesn't mean they lose salvation because you can't lose salvation. When you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, what do you have? What do you have? You have eternal life. How long is eternal life? It's forever. You can't lose it. So when you put your faith in Christ, you're saved and you're saved forever. These are people who put their faith in Christ, but they don't grow. They don't grow. And so let me raise some questions that cause the stumble. Are we growing? Are we producing for the Lord? If not, what happened? 
What's time to listen? I, I talked to a guy. This has been about uh, just a year ago, and we, I talked to him, and he wasn't. He, he, you know, he said, "I don't go to church anymore." And so we talked, and I found out that he knew Christ as a savior. And I said, "So you have eternal life, you know? Why aren't you involved?" Well, you know, I was at this other church, and this deacon did this, and this other guy did this, and they made me mad. So I'm not going to have anything to do with them anymore. Okay. See, that's what this person has done. They're not rooted and grounded. They didn't know the scripture. They don't understand. They don't understand how to live out what they believe. And so when something happened, they just gave it up. They said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, they still have eternal life. But are they producing any fruit? When they stand before Jesus Christ, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Is he going to say that? No, he's not. Listen, there are going to be believers that we know. They're going to stand before Christ, and they're going to be, as 1 John 2 says, they're going to be ashamed at his coming. Because they're going to be the people who said, well, I trusted Christ, but something happened, I didn't like it, and so I didn't care anymore. Or they never got into the Scripture. They never grew. And this is the second one, okay? So we need to dig the Scripture, need to know it. Now, there's a third one coming. And the third one is the one that fell in the thorns, okay? Look at verse 22. It says, And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, notice two things. Worries and wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. See, some people that they worry about everything, they're anxious about everything, that the deceitful of witness. And before you know it, they're so caring about, I gotta have this house, I gotta have this car, I gotta have these things. They get so tied up in all that, they never grow as a Christian. And this is the third one that he's talking about here. The very first one by the soil never becomes a believer. The second one becomes a believer and is never rooted or grounded. The third one becomes a believer, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and everything chokes them out. And when you really get down to it and start talking to people, people say, well, you know, I really want to be happy. Well, I've got to have this and I've got to have this. And what the truth is, the more you have, that doesn't make you happy at all and it doesn't help you to grow. And so many people get caught up in material things. There's nothing wrong with having things, but when things own you rather than you own them, you have problems. What does he say in Matthew? We saw it way back in chapters 5, 6, and 7. But seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and the rest of the stuff. God will take care of all that. So here's a question. Are we so caught up in the things of the world that we're not growing and producing for God. I know people, I know people who, who that they've got, their whole life revolves around their things. And if you said to them, what about this? What about this? Are you in a Bible study? Are you growing? Do you go to church? You, the answer is no to any of those. And so he says, first one, never got the message. Second one, got the message, believed, but never was rooted or grounded, never grow. The third one got the message, but got in the thorns of life, and, and it just choked it all out. And then he has the fourth one. And this, look what he says. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the word, understands it, that's the idea of believing it, and then indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. This is the person who hears and understands and he bears the fruit. This is going to be the person that when he stands before Jesus Christ, what's he going to say to him? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Where are you? Where are you? Now, you're here this morning. That says something right there because there's a whole bunch of Christians out there who, that, that do not come together with other believers on worship because they've got to quit the whole thing. They just say, it doesn't matter to me. And they'll say things like, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Of course you don't. Jesus Christ is what saves you. But you're to meet together with fellow believers and grow and worship. And, and, and they've given all that up. 
And so don't be like the one in the thorns and don't be like the one on the rocky soil. Be like the one on the good soil who produces 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. In John chapter 15, he talks about it. He says, I want you to bear fruit and more fruit and much fruit. And so when you stand before your Savior, what do you want to hear him say? What? Well done, good and faithful servant. And so we got this parable where the first one never believes and Satan snatches away the message. The other one believes, but he never grows and produces because he has no root, no nourishment. The third one believes, but he doesn't produce because it's choked out by the world. But the fourth one believes and grows and produces for the Lord. And so think about this. When you think about the Bible and the Word of God, what do you do with it? I love this quote by Andrew Murray. He said, what a terrible delusion to delight in hearing God's Word and not doing it. See, it's easy to come and say, oh, I like, that was good. I like that stuff. But what are we doing with it? And so we could ask ourselves this question. What kind of soil are we? What kind of soil are you? What kind of soil am I? Are some who never believe? Listen, if there are people in this room right here who have come and you basically say, well, I've never trusted in Christ as my Savior, right where you're sitting right now, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. He died for you on the cross and paid for sin and rose again and conquered death and he offers to you a gift. It's not your works, it's not your goodness, it's any of that. It's receiving the gift of eternal life which comes by faith. So you can move from that number one, okay? But maybe there's some that believe but they've never rooted, been rooted or grounded, that they've never studied, they've never dug the word, they never understood it and sometimes when things come along it just knocks them off the track. We have a lot of opportunities, our church, that you can grow, that you can be rooted in the Word. You can get with fellow believers. You can be taught the Word, and we want you to do that. Maybe some of you have the wrong priorities. You've trusted in Christ, but the riches of this world and the anxiety of this world has messed you up and choked you out. Well, it's time that you take a stand for Jesus Christ and to live for Him. And then the fourth, maybe, and, and, I, and I look at this room, I see a whole bunch of number fours. I see a whole bunch of people who have not only trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, but their lives count for him. They are growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. They've got gifts and talents and abilities, and they're using them for the glory of God. So we want to be sensitive to these things. So that's the very first parable that Jesus gives. It's a parable of the sower. He gave it back at the start of the chapter, and in verses 18 to 23, he actually describes it now and, and interprets it. Now, we've got another one, He's gonna, and I'll go quickly through this just because of time, but the next one's called the parable of the field. And uh, let me read it to you, and, and uh, it's, it deals with the kingdom. And he says, notice how he starts in verse 24. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. And when he's talking about kingdom of heaven, he says, This is what it's like to those who believe in him, who are going to be in the kingdom, who will rule with Jesus Christ and reign with him and live with him. He said, It's like this man who had... And he sowed his good seed into the field. So just think about it. He'd go out there, they plowed it all up, they sowed the seed out there, and it's really good. And, and then what happened was, was this. It says, and while the, his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. They threw some things in there. His enemy came. Tares look a lot like wheat. Some people, they, they, they may be darnel or something. But over there, there's, a, there's some things that, that when they grow up, it looks like wheat until it gets a certain point, And then you can tell it's not. And so uh, some enemy came in, and in his good field of wheat, they threw all these tares in there, and, and it started to grow. The servants come to him. Now watch what happens. When the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came to him and said, Sir... Did you not sow good seed in the field? How did these tares get there? They knew what had been planted. They come and they said, we know what's been planted. And in verse 28, he says to them, an enemy has done this. 
And the slave said to him, do you want us to go out and gather them up? Now, when he said enemy, this is really a little bit unusual because the Greek actually says an enemy man did this. And he's being specific. If you look at one of the, some of the other Gospels, it's talking about the evil one. He's talking about, he says, basically, these, these, are unbe- these are unbelievers is what we are. And they said, do you want us to go gather them up? That's a, that's a great question. And he answers and says, no, 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 we can't do that. Not for a while, because if you get into the tears, you may uproot the wheat. So he says, here's what we're going to do. Allow them both to grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I'll tell the reapers, and they will gather up the tares and bind them in the bundles and burn them up. But the wheat will gather into the barn. And so what he says is, wait to the end, and then we'll come and there'll be a separation of the good, the wheat, and the bad, the tares. Now, you already know what this, you know what this parable is about right now. The parable is the world, and the parable that there's unbelievers and believers. And until the end of the age, when Jesus Christ comes as the King of Kings, He's going to set up a kingdom, and the unbelievers are going to be separated from God, and the believers are going to be with Him. We we already see that. And so He says, when the reapers come, uh, the first they'll first gather the tares, put them in bundles, and burn them, and they'll take the wheat into the barn. Now we'll see next week. Jesus is actually going to interpret it, and we'll see how He says it. But that's what He's talking about. You understand? You understand that in our world. There are people, there are some people who are really, really good people and they've never trusted Christ as Savior. And there are people who go to church almost every Sunday and they've never put their faith in Christ. See, there are people who think going to church gets them there or something they did a long time ago or they thought by uh, walking down an aisle somehow that saved them and they've never trusted in Christ. They just did something somebody told them. Salvation is not what we do. Salvation is trusting in Jesus Christ to give to us eternal life because that's what he's done. And in our world, there are a lot of people who go to church and there are a lot of good people and they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And they even look like Christians. And then when he gets to the end, there are going to be those where Jesus will say, I never knew you because you never trusted Jesus Christ to give you eternal life. And at that time, there'll be a separation. We'll study it, but when we get over to Matthew 24, 25, he says that when Jesus comes, there will be a separation, the sheep from the goats. The sheep are the believers. They'll go with him. The goats are the unbelievers. They'll be separated. That's what he says. He uses that analogy in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. We'll see this even more next week. Now, before Jesus explains that parable... He gives two more parables, and we'll see what they're... And it'll take us just a, a minute or two to do them. They deal with the growth of the kingdom. Look at verse 31. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like this mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in the field. And it is smaller than all the seeds, but when it is full grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes like a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in the branches. And so what he's saying, here's this mustard seed. And in, in, in Israel, in that part of the world, mustard seed is the smallest seed they knew about. It's not the smallest seed in the world, but it's a very, very, very small seed. He said, he said, the kingdom is like this little bitty seed. starts little bitty, and then you put it in the ground, and it becomes a tree. And sometimes these trees were eight feet tall and branches. And he said, even birds come in them. And so his point of this is the kingdom of heaven, it starts small and grows to something big. And then he uses another analogy, and look what he says. Verse 33, he gave another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was leavened. And, and this is another parable of the leaven. And what it does, she put the leaven in a large amount of flour, started a little bitty, and then it spread out. 
And that's what we see with the kingdom of God. It started small. Now, when you start saying the kingdom of God, you mean anybody that's ever believed, ever. But when you think about the church age, how did it start? It started with Jesus and then 12 guys and then a small group and some women and, some, and then big people, big, bigger number of people followed. And then after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, 120 believers were meeting in Jerusalem. And then after that, 3,000 trusted Christ. After that, another 5,000 trusted Christ. Then they began to spread out. And then look at this room and look at the people throughout the world. See, didn't it start little? But look at it now. It gets bigger and bigger. So he says the kingdom starts out small and then gets bigger. I think that's the point. And we can see it as you go to Matthew 28, make disciples, and start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the most part of the earth. And here's the question I have for us. Are we involved in the spread of the kingdom message? And when I say the kingdom message, I'm talking about the message of salvation, that you would be in the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Some people think, well, the key is like JB, because he gets to teach, and it goes, you know, it goes on the, the website and those kind of things. But the truth is this. There may be somebody teaching and preaching the Bible, but most of the work is done day by day by individual believers. As you go out, as you use your gifts and talents, as you share your faith so that people can trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. R.A. Torrey uh, said this. He said, it's a great privilege to preach the gospel, but the world will be reached quicker by personal evangelism than by public preaching. You can do it. We can do it together. We can reach this community for Jesus Christ. We can help reach this world for Jesus Christ because that's what he wants us to do. It's going to start small, but it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's the fact that you and I know the message and that we can go into this community, and that's where we start. We put it on our website. We let people all over. Listen, I get, I, I, this last week I got three churches from Kenya saying they found our website, they found our gospel message, they totally agree with our gospel message, and they want to use our materials. That, that's just last week. I mean, we probably got 20 churches, most of them from Kenya. That, that I don't know. I don't know why from Kenya, but that's where they are right now. But we've got places all over. But... We've had opportunities to spread the grace message into this community, into the world. It starts small, but gets bigger. So next time, we'll see Jesus explains the parable of the field. So let me give you some just quick applications. Let's examine our lives. What kind of soil are we? Where are you? Think about your life. Think about people that you know. Is it be that, that you may be one who's never believed? Well, believe. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. It may be that you believe, but you've never been rooted or grounded. Take some of those classes. Come and say, well, I want to start growing. I want to start knowing. I want to, I want to start believe, understanding and, and growing as a Christian. It may be that you're a believer, but you've let the cares of this world and the, the riches and deceitfulness of all that just trick you out. Get rid of that stuff. Stand strong. Say, I want to live for Christ. I want my, my life to count for him. And it may be that you're one of those. That as I look at this room, I see a bunch of them that you have trusted in Christ and that you've said to him, I want my life to count for you and I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want to do. I want to live for you. I want my life to count for you. And you're producing fruit 100-fold, 30-fold, 60-fold, all of those things. The second application is just remember the purpose of the parables. It was so that the believers could grasp more and more spiritual things, but the unbelievers, because they were rejecting him, they're not able to understand them. 
And that's why he taught that. That's what he says. And then the last thing is, let's be a part of the spread of the message of the kingdom, the spread of the message of Jesus Christ. So we've got to know the gospel, which is Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. We've got to know the response to the gospel as to believe in him for eternal life. We've got to know how to share our faith. And listen, if you're questioning, I wish I knew that, then you take Brian's class. Brian has a class called the 412 Foundations, and he teaches all of that. And you could go in there and you could get grounded and understand so that you can share your faith. And then pray for the opportunities. Pray for the opportunities to share the gospel message. May we be, as the good soul, may we be good soul as we spread the message of Jesus Christ.